Assassins to another episode of the Dark Assassins Podcast, the show that dives deep into not just technology, but the concepts, software, and procedures behind it all, and explains it so simply that even your grandma can understand it. As always, I'm your host, the Dark Assassin. So if you are uh, unaware, uh, Apple held an event this week. Uh, They held their annual September event, which is known for their iPhones and iPhone accessories. So we're going to be diving into that, going through all the the new hardware updates, all the changes, and in some cases, lack of changes, and even a a death that occurred in the Apple lineup, which we we might have to take some time to mourn. But first, um, as you are all aware, uh, at least... uh, devoted listeners of this podcast are well aware that I am an idiot. I am a big-time idiot, and this week uh, just proved that even further. So, um, this week, I was updating my uh, home lab servers as usual, like you do, and uh, after I'd updated everything, for whatever reason... Um, I realized on my home home labs subnetwork that I have configured, um, I was no longer getting internet. Um, I was able to get internet fine on just my regular, you know, Wi-Fi network, but on my specific home lab network, I was unable to get internet, and it took me a lot longer than I care to admit. Uh, to figure out the problem. Uh, it took me pretty much the whole day and a call to my ISP because I thought they were the problem when in reality they weren't the problem. Um, so sorry ISP on that one. Um, I spent probably about an hour with them. But the reason why I, I thought it was their problem was I've had frequent problems, you know, where my internet will just kind of go out and I have to reboot the modem or something like that. Um, so that's what I did when I, when the internet stopped working, you know, reboot the modem, that didn't work, tried it again, that didn't, still didn't work, got on the phone with the ISP, uh, over the course of that call, you know, unplugged the route, un- completely unplugged the, the modem router combo, uh, plugged it back in, you know, unscrewed the coax cable, plugged that back in, nothing worked. And then I was digging through, you know, some configs on my PFSense router, which is the router that I use to, uh, for my, you know, home network or for my home lab, um, trying to configure things on there. Nothing worked. I tried restoring from the backup from a version I knew worked. That didn't work. Um, I tried reinstalling it. That didn't work. And I was like, man, I have no idea what's going on. And then I eventually I went to the my ISP's router, showed all the devices on there, and saw one thing that was out of place. I had a DH, DHCP device, um, which I guess if you're unfamiliar uh, with what DHCP is, I'm not going to go too deep into it because uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover with Apple. Uh, but DHCP is Dynamic Host Configuration Protocol. And basically all that is is when your computer or your phone or whatever device that connects to the Internet needs to connect to the Internet, uh, it goes to your router and it's like, hey, I need an IP address. And your router's like, boy, I got you. And it sends it one. Um, and now there's obviously, there's a range that you can configure, um, you know, what IPs are able to be leased out by the router. 
and I made the stupid mistake, which I knew better, uh, to assign a static IP address inside the DHCP range. Um, so you might be able to see uh, where I'm going with this. And a uh, Wi-Fi device, which actually happened to be my Raspberry Pi, which is included in my update script that updates all my servers, I guess somehow I, because I have the Wi-Fi on disabled, but I guess somehow it got re-enabled like through the update or whatever. So then it, you know, connects to my Wi-Fi network and gets snags the IP address that's assigned to my PFSense router, which runs, you know, my entire home lab network. So basically shutting down my entire network because of a DHCP collision. Um, so yeah, don't be don't be an idiot like me. Uh, make sure when you assign static IP addresses, they are outside your DHCP range, so you don't run into this issue. Um, so yeah, that was that was a fun, um, like eight hours or you know basically an entire day trying to figure that out. So that was a good time. Um, but my idiocy aside, uh, let's get into the Apple event. So Apple started off talking about the new Apple Watch. So they released three new Apple Watches at this event. They released the new Series 8 Apple Watch. Uh, it has all the same health features um, as the previous ones, like sleep tracking, blood oxygen, ECG, heart rate, all that good stuff. Um, and now has a new temperature sensor. Temperature sensor, uh, and the two, it has two of them. Uh, one of them is near your wrist. Um, to help and then one of them is near the screen. This is meant to kind of help eliminate uh, differences with outside temperature Although it won't actually give you your body temperature because as you might be able to imagine uh, Your wrist isn't really a good place to check your body temperature um, But it samples it, you know every five seconds So it's at least able to you know give you an inclination of hey, maybe your temperature is going up Maybe your temperature is going down and kind of be able to allow you to visualize that, you know, over the course of, um, you know, a day or a week or a month or whatever. Um, and the, the real thing that they kind of marketed this to was to women and for, you know, period tracking and all that good stuff. Um, obviously, I'm not a woman, so I don't know how all the, really the temperature, you know, fits into all that calculation, but they added it, so it apparently gives better tracking for that, so that's cool. Um, it also, they also, one thing they did emphasize um, with all this privacy, or what Apple loves to emphasize privacy, obviously, and then when they were talking about all these health features, um, they made it clear that all the health data on your device is encrypted. It's only on your device, and then if for if you do want to, you know, send it up to put it on, sync it with your iCloud, for example, um, all that data is end-to-end -end encrypted. Um, so what that means is not even Apple knows any of the data that's going through so it's encrypted on your device and then in transit it's encrypted and then it's even encrypted in iCloud so there's no way for even Apple to know uh, what that data is so that's cool obviously uh, because the algorithms and everything that they use is uh, proprietary you have to take that with a grain of salt but um, you know I'm inclined to believe that if it's end-to-end -end encrypted and they're using encryption with like on-device encryption all that they shouldn't be able to uh, be able to view it um, and then they also added some new emergency services so all the same services that you've been that you know about like fall detection and emergency SOS that's obviously still there um, and they added a new crash detection feature 
uh, which is pretty cool. Um, it can it uses like some new sensors that they have in the watch. Uh, it can t- detect like um, surround sound, like the sound of like an airbag deploying, and like the the load of you know a, the G load of being in an actual in an actual crash. Um, so it can detect it that way. And then when it detects a, a crash, it immediately contacts emergency services with your location which is pretty handy. Um, and it also contacts your emergency contact. So if you have, you know, you have your your spouse or your your parents or whoever, um, it'll automatically contact them as well, which is definitely nice. Um, so it just has the ability to detect front, side, rear, and rollover collisions, which pretty handy there. Um, and how they, they trained this was they trained it on a million hours of crash data uh, for their machine learning model. Um, so that's so it's a lot of crash data. Uh, since generally car crashes, I don't believe, last too terribly long. So if somehow getting a million hours of crash data... That's a lot of crashes that they had to source data from. So I don't know if that was all, you know, in-house testing where they had like in the in the in the in the video um, that they played uh, for this event, they did show, you know, like like an actual crash crash test site, not like actual cars crashing together. Um, so I don't know if they were just doing crashes there or how they were necessarily getting that data, but that's, that's how they trained their models to. Uh, test or check for you know the detecting a crash um and the the other cool thing too is it's not like it's an always running feature it only runs while you're driving and it only computes uh if a crash occurred um you know when a crash actually happens and all that computing is done on device so you're not having to you know reach out to the spooky spooky cloud um for any of that computing which is which is definitely nice um, it has an 18-hour battery life, um, and a new feature that they're implementing is low power mode. And with this low power mode, you can get actually up to 36 hours of battery life on a full charge, which is pretty darn nice, uh, especially if you're someone that likes to use the Apple Watch for the sleep tracking features. You're not necessarily tied uh, directly to hafting, you know, to make sure you charge your watch, like right when you wake up or right before you go to bed, that kind of thing. So you can actually make it through the night. Um, so this is nice. Or if you're on an extended trip that you won't have access to a charger, this is another, another great feature there. Um, it all, so you might be wondering, you know, how does this increase in battery life actually happen? So one thing it does is it turns off the auto workout detection and the always on display, uh, but it also, while doing that, it also keeps all the health detection features turned on. So like your your sleep tracking, uh, your blood oxygen, your uh, ECG, you know, all that good stuff. Um, it keeps that running while turning off, you know, the, the stuff you might not necessarily need uh, if you want to save power, like the workouts uh, and the always on display. Um, so it turns those off. Um, so this low power mode is coming to actually all Apple watches with the new, uh, watch OS nine update, uh, for series four and later. So if you have an Apple watch series four or later, and you update to the new version of watch OS, you should be able to get this low power mode and get some increase in battery life when using it, which is very nice to see. 
Um, also, if you have an Apple Watch that has cellular capabilities, uh, you now have international roaming uh, for that. Uh, obviously, this includes you must have WatchOS 9 for that. And this is only available on the Series 5 and newer. So if you have an Apple Watch Series 5 or newer uh, and you have cellular on it, you can get international roaming. So the starting price for this, uh, I believe, is unchanged at $399 for the base GPS model. And then if you want the cellular model, uh, that goes up to $499. Um, and that'll, that's available today. You can order it now, and it'll be available uh, on September 16th. So if you order it uh, now, you should get it by September 16th, unless there's... I haven't actually checked uh, their page today as the recording of this podcast episode to know if uh, those dates have been pushed at all, since I know a common theme with uh, Apple events in the past year or so is as soon as they drop something, yeah, if you order it right away... Uh, you'll be able to get it by the date they say, but if you order like the next day, it's available or whatever. You know the dates get the dates slip and they push. So, you know that's what they said. Uh, by the time you listen to this or you know go to order one, maybe uh, the, those dates might be different. But you know that 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 is what it is. Um, another watch they released was the App Apple Watch SE, which was kind of sort of underwhelming. Um, it's basically the same watch as the old Apple Watch SE. Um, really, the only difference is it has the same chip that's in the Series 8, so it basically just got a spec bump. Uh, there's still no blood oxygen, still no ECG, still no temperature sensing, so really just a new chip, and that was about it. Uh, but it, I believe it got maybe new colors. I'm, I'm not sure. Um but its starting price unchanged at 249 for the GPS model and 299 for the cellular model. Again, similar to the uh, Apple Watch Series 8, uh, it's available today and or pre you can order it today rather, and it's available on September 16th. And Apple wasn't done because they released another new watch uh, called the Apple Watch Ultra. Uh, it was. It's basically branded to the exploration, adventure, endurance. They had a really long um, section in the keynote about being used for, for diving. Uh, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. Um, but it's pretty pretty cool thing. Uh, so there's been a lot of criticism that I've seen online about people hating on the design and all that stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go go look it up. Uh, but basically, the screen the the screen is kind of embedded in the body. So unlike the current Apple Watches, where the the glass screen is kind of curved and rounded over the the watch itself, on the Apple Watch Ultra, basically the the it's made out of titanium, and the titanium shell kind of like cups kind of like comes in like the normal Apple Watch would, and then kind of juts upward to surround the uh, the glass screen of the Apple Watch. Um, kind of an interesting design, but man, is this bo bad boy an absolute unit? Uh, it is 49 millimeters, um, so if you have, you know, small wrists or you're a small person, uh, not exactly sure how it would look on you from a design perspective but uh it, you know it's a really big boy um so another new feature that it has over the regular apple watch is it has this action button 
that Apple's calling it, and it gives users uh, quick control uh, for a range of different functions. The button's customizable, so you can have it do a bunch of different things. Um, you can use it to start a workout, switch between legs of a race. Um, you can do like some other things. There was they had some other you know scuba diving functions that you could do with it. I mean, it's customizable, so you can really do whatever you want with it. Um, and they changed, they updated the crown and the button on the side, and they put this, like, guard around the crown of the watch, so to prevent, I guess, uh, like being bumped and knocked around, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and they, they designed it so that you can actually use it with gloves, which is pretty convenient if you're out and about in the wilderness and it's cold outside and you got gloves on uh everybody that's been in a situation like that knows how kind of annoying it is that you have to take your glove off in order to either uh do something on your watch or do something on your phone it's kind of annoying and then your hand gets cold um kind of a pain so that is a nice feature to see one other thing that's interesting about this watch is all of the models are cellular equipped models. So there's no there's no difference between just the base GPS model and the GPS plus cellular model, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, it makes the, the pricing structure a little bit interesting uh, when you factor in. It's We'll get to the price, but it's basically the Apple always made the, the base Apple Watch and then a premium higher end Apple Watch. Um, and it's basically, you know, the same price area as that premium Apple watch, what it used to be, but it's bigger. All of them have cellular and it also has a bunch more features. So it's, it's kind of an interesting, interesting scenario. Uh, but the, another great feature about this Apple watch, uh, is it has up to 36 hours of battery life on a single charge. So if you buy the new Apple Watch Ultra, you can be laughing at the plebs with the regular one that have to use uh, low power mode to get that 36 hours. And you can just you get those 36 hours on a full charge without low power mode. And with low power mode, you can get up to 60 hours of battery life. Um, it has this, is, I guess they built in some new battery optimization setting. I'm assuming that's the same as low power mode. Otherwise, I think it would be kind of weird that they would give it to the Apple Watch Ultra, but not the regular one. Um, seeing that as far as I can tell the, the chip and all the hard, the, like as far as the chips concerned, that would be doing all this processing is the same. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. And they created some new bands specifically for this watch for a couple different they have one more tailored to like running one towards climbing and one towards scuba diving i believe um and they added a new dual frequency l1 and l5 gps system um so this should give you plus some uh new algorithms to provide a more accurate uh gps location so if you're in like a, a busy city or you're in the in the out in the wilderness and you know you're there's a bunch of tree cover and it's harder to get you know direct contact to the satellites you can this new system basically allows uh for better accuracy uh for your location which is pretty cool um so they redesigned the compass app and one thing that they added which i uh, i wasn't exact it seemed like it was only coming to the ultra but it also seems like it should be able to come to basically any apple watch um but they specifically mentioned it for the ultra it has this new backtrack feature which 
Uh, some people would argue that it's more of a gimmick than anything, but I think it's kind of cool. So basically what it allows you to do is set like waypoints um, on your watch, like as you go out, you know, through your adventure or whatever. And then if for whatever reason you get lost, you can like backtrack through those waypoints so it can navigate you, you know, back to where you came to help prevent you getting lost. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, it also has an 86 decibel siren built into it. Um, so if you ever, you know, get lost or you fall and you can't move or something, you can, you know, blast the siren. And Apple claims that it can be heard up to 600 feet or 180 meters away. So that's, that's pretty cool. I believe that would kind of have to be in optimal conditions. So if there's like a bunch of, you know, trees around or something, it's probably not going to be that far. But if you're in like a really wide open area, um, probably be more likely to reach those kind of numbers. Uh, it also has a WR100 water resistance rating, which is up to 100 meters of depth, which is pretty deep. Um, it's EN13319 certified. Um, if you're into scuba diving, that probably means a lot to you. Uh, I don't really know what that certification means, but it's a, it's a big thing in scuba diving. Um, it can also be used as your dive computer. Um, so now all these features and it starts at this price of $7.99, which obviously ain't cheap for a watch. That's a ton of money. Um, but uh, the p way people are justifying this is kind of, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in this segment was it's either the same price as the smaller version of that premium Apple watch that they used to sell or even cheaper than the larger version of the Apple Watch, that, that premium version of the Apple Watch that they used to sell, which only got up to 45 millimeters. This is 49 millimeters. So it's a bigger watch. It's cheaper than that premium version of the bigger watch, and it has a ton more features. Um, but the other reason why people are able to just, are trying to justify it is if you actually, especially if you're from the diving aspect, if you're at a scuba diving at all, um, like dive com specific dive computers can basically range from as much as this Apple Watch to more. Plus, this Apple Watch also has the ability to do other things that are more watch oriented. So, depending on how you look at it, it could be seen as a pretty good value. Uh, but that still doesn't change the fact that it's eight hundred dollars. Um, so it's essentially kind of back when the Pro Display XDR first dropped, everyone was like, oh, the, the, you had basically two camps. You had the, this is way overpriced, this is a $6,000, you know, monitor. Um, and then you had the camp that's like, yeah, but it's supposed to be, it's competing with a reference monitor, and reference monitors are like, you know, X number the price. So it's actually a really good deal. So it really just kind of depends on, you know, what you're going to use it for and, you know, how you look at it. Uh, but, you know... $800 is $800. I mean, there's, there's no getting around that. Um, but that, like the other Apple Watches, is uh, available to order today. Um, but it will not, or, but it won't be actually available for you to receive until September 23rd. Um, so another uh, new hardware feed, hardware product that Apple launched was they launched uh, the, an updated version of the AirPods Pro. Um, so it's the same design um, as the old old models, um, but it has a new H2 chip, 
Uh, it has new audio drivers and amplifiers for improved sound quality. Uh, one thing that they kind of hyped on was this ability to use your front-facing camera on your iPhone to create a personalized spatial audio profile specifically to you, which I guess is pretty cool. Um, they said that their active noise cancellation uh, it has up to double the imp double the performance of the um, older models with the improved chip uh, sensors location sensor locations vents you know all that kind of stuff. Um, it has a new extra small ear tip, so if you had the old ones and none of the tips were really small small enough to fit your ears, uh, there's a new one. Um, they updated the active, they had the, added this new feature, I guess, which kind of builds upon transparency mode, which basically allowed you to hear the world around you. Uh, but they updated, uh, transparency mode to be what they call app adaptive transparency mode, which basically is able to, to detect if there's like a really loud noise going on. So if there's like heavy machinery or something and you have transparency mode turned on, it'll like reduce the decibel level of the, that, you know, loud machinery to, for, I guess, safer hearing. So that's pretty cool to see. Um, there's a new captive sensor on the stem of the AirPods Pro. So now you can, uh, in addition to being able to like hold, like click it essentially, you can also like swipe up and down for volume control, which is a very nice feature, which is lacking in the current gen ones. Um, so that's very nice to see. Uh, the, the listening time has been upped to six hours of listening time per charge. And with the charging case, you're able to get up to 30 hours of listening time. Um, and the, they did some updates to the charging case as well. They added a new speaker to the charging case, which the before this speaker didn't have a charging case. Uh, so this basically allows you to find the case with the Find My app, um, which as an AirPods Pro user, I always, I never have a problem, you know, if the, the AirPods themselves go missing because they're either in, in my ears or in the case. But if I misplace the case, I don't know how to find it because it doesn't work in the Find My app. Um, so that's definitely a cool thing. So you'll be able to use it in the Find My app and it can actually make sound. Um, so that's that's nice. Um, they also added a, a no, another feature so you could easily attach a lanyard to it. So that's nice. Um, I know a lot. there's a lot of cases out there uh, for the AirPods and AirPods Pro um, specifically you know, for this capability. So it was, it's nice to see that they built that in. Uh, it's, it should be the same starting price, the same uh, two forty nine. Able to order it uh, September 9th, which I actually at the the launch of this podcast episode. So you now you can see that I'm recording it in the past. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, you'll be able to order it, and it'll be available on September twenty third. So now we get into the iPhones, and the iPhones. For me, it was kind of a mixed bag. First off, we have to take a moment of silence uh, to acknowledge the death of the iPhone mini because Apple killed it, um, which is kind of sad to see because it, it was it was a nice phone. You know, it was really cute, nice and small, um, and it was it was sad to see it go. Um, so let's let's have a, a little moment of silence. Okay, moment over. See, it was a mini moment of silence, just like it was a mini phone. <laughs> Puns. Uh, but so they have, but they didn't, you know, completely kill off a secondary iPhone 14. Instead, they created the iPhone 14 Plus, which is literally just the iPhone, 
Max version, just without the Pro name and renamed to Plus. It's the same 6.7-inch screen size. So you have the iPhone 14 at 6.1 inches and the iPhone 14 Plus at 6.7 inches. Both still 60 hertz uh, refresh displays, so if you're hoping for ProMotion to get brought down to the iPhone 14, you're out of luck. Um, they say there's a new internal design for improved thermals, um, but this is where it gets interesting because it's the same chip as last year. So last year on the iPhone 13, it used the A15 Bionic, and in the iPhone 14, it uses the A15 Bionic. Now, I guess granted you could say it's a quote-unquote different chip because it's using the A15 that was from the iPhone 13 Pro line, which I believe had an extra GPU core. So you get one extra GPU core over the iPhone 13, which honestly, are you going to notice that? No, you're not. Um, so that's... In an interesting move by Apple. It's hard to say if this was because the chip shortage that's going on, supply chain issues, you know, who knows what the, the reasoning was. But this is the first time ever that a new iPhone has launched with last year's chip. So that's interesting to see. Um, and aside from that uh, bit of news, it's basically the same phone. Um, there's some camera upgrades. Um, they... The, the, cam the main shooter, I believe, is taken from the iPhone 13 Pro. Uh, it has an improved front-facing camera. Um, and the one cool thing about all the cameras this year for the iPhone 14, both the iPhone 14 and the Pro line, is it has an autofocus for the front-facing camera. So for all you selfie-taker lovers out there, that'll probably be a very nice addition to, for you. Um, it has this, what they call the photo phototonic engine, which is basically a new image processor to improve the low light uh, performance of all the cameras. Um, so the front and ultra wide get a two times performance increase in low light and the main camera gets a 2.5 increase. Um, it also has an action mode. Um, again, this also on the pro lines. Uh, this basically adds a new stabilization feature uh, to better stabilize your videos. Um, and another thing that's interesting across all the iPhone 14 lineup is, including the pros, is in the U.S., all models will only have eSIM capability, no actual SIM tray card. So if you look on your phone now and you see on the side of it that little kind of oblong rectangle with rounded edges with a little pinhole in it that's the sim card tray so you can't pop out your sim card and swap it into a new phone or anything like that you actually have to go through the hassle of transferring sims around and e-sims around and that's going to be an interesting process um i mean from on the one hand from the security side of things it is kind of nice because someone can't just steal your phone and swap their sim card in there uh, but at the same time, like a, it's also kind of a hassle if you do want, like you say, you want to you want to upgrade your phone. You can't just pop the SIM card out of your old one and pop it into your new one. So that's kind of annoying. Um, but another thing that the iPhone 14s have with the iPhone 14 Pros as well uh, is it has crash detection, uh, similar to the Apple Watch. 
Um, and another feature that they, they harped on was this emergency SOS feature via satellite. So you'll be able to connect with satellites to, um, you know, contact emergency services. Uh, so it'll basically how it does this works is even if you don't have any connection to cellular or Wi-Fi, you'll be able to connect to a satellite. Um, so you need to have a clear view of the sky to do this. So if there's a lot of like tree cover or something that probably not going to have as good of luck. Um, so you need a clear view of the sky and they have this u new UI that allows you that can like help you orient uh, your phone to the the right place in the sky that you should point it to have the best line of sight uh, to the satellite to be able to you know send the the data you need and then it'll prompt you with uh, some common emergency questions and responses that you might have um, to you know be able to inform the emergency services um, and then depending on if emergency services are available in your area it'll either contact them directly or Apple people at Apple will find a way to get in contact uh, with local emergency services uh, to contact them uh, to get you the help you need. Another thing that you could do is you can also use the satellite feature uh, to add your location and find my so people can find you, I guess, um, if you're into that. Um, it also has one thing that I did find very interesting about this announcement was they said specifically that it was free for the first two years with a purchase of a new iPhone. Specifically, obviously, the iPhone 14 or 14 Pro line, which is interesting because they didn't mention anything about what happens after those two years. Uh, my assumption is it's going to turn into some like subscription model, which honestly kind of seems a little scummy in the sense that, like, if you have a phone with this capability to use satellites uh, for communication for emergency services, uh, and after those two years are up and you didn't pay for the subscription, you can't connect to the satellites to potentially save your life in a you know potentially life-threatening situation. Uh, so, I, but in to Apple's credit, they didn't say it would be a subscription. But because they said it's free for the first two years, kind of leads you to believe that it's going to be some kind of subscription. But they have not elaborated on that, so time will tell. Um, so the iPhone 14 starts at $799, oh, which is the same as last year. And then the iPhone 14 Plus starts at $899. Um, both of them you can order today. Uh, the iPhone 14 will be available on October or on September 16th, and the iPhone 14 Plus will be available on October 7th. Um, personally, I think if you're looking at the iPhone 14, uh, not the Plus model, but just the iPhone 14, just buy yourself an iPhone 13, unless you seriously want slash need uh, the emergency SOS or the crash detection. Just get the iPhone 13. It's basically the same phone, um, and you'll save yourself, I believe, a hundred or two hundred dollars. One of the two. I don't remember. Plus, if you want a mini phone, the only way to get a mini phone is to buy the iPhone 13 mini, since that's still available. Um, but personally, I would, unless you want the larger screen size for the iPhone 14 Plus, I would stay away from the iPhone 14 and just get the get the either get a Pro version of it or because those are actually have improvements as we'll get into or just buy last year's iphone 13 because it's cheaper and basically the same phone um 
But moving on to the iPhone 14 Pro line, uh, so they removed the notch, kind of, sort of. Uh, instead of having a notch that takes up a chunk of the screen that goes to the top of the phone, they instead removed it and changed it to this pill-shaped thing, um, which they called the Dynamic Island. Yeah, it's kind of a weird name, but it is a very cool feature because basically it's because this uh, pill shape is kind of in the middle of the screen and because it's an OLED display, which means it's a bunch of individual LEDs that you can turn off and on to get actual true blacks. What this allows you to do is basically adjust the size of this pill shape so they can dynamic dynamically, which I guess is where the dynamic portion comes from, uh, to be able to dynamically resize this to fit specifically what you're doing. So some of the things that they mentioned was it can change different shapes and sizes depending on what content's being displayed or whatever. So, like, if you're playing something in, like, the music app and then you go out and, you know, go about your phone uh, usage, uh, it'll have, like, the album art, like, up in the left part of the pill, and then on the right it can have, like, the little audio waves. And then if you click on that, it'll, like, dynamically resize this island, I guess you could call it. Uh, and it has gives you like you know your media controls like you'd expect. Um, then another feature that it, they'll have in there is whenever this live activities actually comes to iOS 16, those can be implemented there. And then it also kind of has some multi uh, multitasking features in a way. Like you can, it can house up to like I believe two different apps up in that dynamic island that you can like click on and like you know, bring to focus and, you know, kind of like what, similar to, I guess, the control panel in a way, um, at least for like the music app, for, I guess. Uh, but, you know, it can, it, which I thought was pretty cool that you could like kind of click on, um, you know, the, the end of the app up there and it can like open up the app or, you know, there's a bunch of different stuff. So if you haven't seen the demo for how the dynamic, dynamic Island works, I I'd recommend checking it out because it does look pretty darn cool. Um, pretty much, I believe all of Apple's uh, first-party apps um, have support for it, and then once, uh, and then it, at that point, it'll just become a developer implementation, um, whatever they can get it rolled out, which is supposed to be included in the Live Activities API that Apple's developing. So, I guess uh, it'll kind of be a more of a slower rollout of. Um, once iOS 16 and the phones get released. Uh, so with some other features, it has a brighter screen, uh, has the same emergency SOS features uh, as the iPhone 14 and the same crash detection. Um, and another new feature that's new this year is it has an always-on display now. So if you're into your phone's display always being on, you can now enable that. So basically what it does um, is because it has this um, this high refresh panel, they're able to bring the refresh rate all the way down to 1 hertz. So basically it refreshes once every second. Um, on the iPhone 13 Pro line, those could only go down to 10 hertz or 10 uh, refreshes a second. So it's because it can go down even lower, it presumably will save battery life although because your screen's always on that'll also burn battery life so it's probably just a trade-off negligible difference assuming you have the feature on which i believe you should be able to turn it off uh, there's probably a setting for that um, but basically it just automatically dims the screen so your screen's not like super bright so you'll still be able to see like your wallpaper your notifications the time all that good stuff 
Um, so that's pretty cool to see. Um, and unlike the regular iPhone 14 line, this one actually gets a new chip. Uh, it gets the A16 Bionic. It ha it's on a new 4 nanometer process, which from my understanding of it, it was it's basically kind of sort of a modification of their old 5 nanometer process, but I guess slightly smaller. It's not like a completely new architecture or anything like that. Um, it has a 5-core GPU, 6-core CPU, uh, 4 high-efficiency cores and 2 performance cores, 16-core neural engine, and it also has a new built-in display engine, uh, and this is what handles the always-on display, the dynamic island, and all that. So it kind of you know takes some of that processing power away from the main CPU, which is definitely good to see. Because um, whenever you can do something, you know, a specific uh, part of a chip, you know, designed for a specific feature, it you know generally makes things a lot easier and less taxing on your system. Um, so then there are some additional camera improvements. It has the same uh, photonic engine as the four, iPhone 14, but it has an its main camera now has 48 megapixels. Uh, so it's basically a four times larger sensor. Um, and what this allows it to do is it basically groups four pixels into one pixel. So it basically bins them. So it basically selects the best pixel out of the four that it can take in that group um, to improve light capture and keep that same 12 megapixel size. Um, so it has a two times performance improvement in low light. Um, and it also has an additional two times zoom in it so instead of the iphone 13 pros that had a 0.5 which was the ultra wide one and three times zoom this now has an additional two times zoom um and basically how that works is rather than the full 48 megapixel picture it zooms in on just the 12 megapixels to give you that that zoom um you're also able to shoot uh pro raw uh, if you want the actual 48 megapixel resolution, uh, you can do that as well. Um, and then the ultra wide camera got a three three times improvement um, for low light performance. Um, so the the pricing for the iPhone 14 Pro models is the same. Uh, the just base Pro model starts at 9.99, and the iPhone 14 Pro Max starts at 10.99. Uh, both are available now for you to buy and should be at your door on September 16th if you buy. Um, so that was basically the event. Um, I think the highlights for me personally, um, the iPhone 14 Pro looked pretty cool. Uh, that dynamic island definitely looks like a pretty nice feature. Um, am I going to upgrade? Definitely not. Um, the iPhone 14 was kind of a letdown because it's basically last year's phone in like the same package and really not much change. I mean, sure, the cameras are better, but if you bought the 13, you're uh, probably not going to notice or it's honestly, I don't think it's that big of an upgrade to, you know, for you to actually buy the new one. Obviously you make your own decision. Um, but personally, I, I, like I mentioned, if you're considering the iPhone 14, the base one, not the plus, just buy the iPhone 13, you're probably not going to notice a difference and you're going to save yourself some money. Um, but the AirPods Pro to me seemed like a, a pretty, pretty nice upgrade. I currently have the original AirPods Pro. Um, I don't think I'm going to be buying the new AirPods Pro just because my current AirPods Pro work perfectly fine. 
Um, and I obviously, I think once, you know, the bad, once I start noticing like battery life degradation, which I haven't noticed, then I probably would upgrade, but I mean, I don't really see a need, but it definitely looks like some def, uh, some very nice, uh, upgrades and improvements there. Um, the Apple watch series eight, um, I don't know. It was kind of a minor update, really. There wasn't a whole lot new there. I'm sure the crash detection's cool, and I guess the temperature sensing is nice, but I, I don't know. I don't see it that, that big of huge of an upgrade. The Apple Watch SE, you know, really just a chip upgrade, a spec bump, no new features, nothing. So that's, I guess, kind of a letdown. Uh, but the Apple Watch Ultra, while it is expensive, uh, very expensive, and an absolute unit and a chungus of a big boy, uh, it does have a lot of very fancy, nice features, especially if you're into the whole, especially if you're into scuba diving at all. Very, very nice uh, to have the built-in dive computer and everything. Um, or if you're just really into, you know, being outside a lot and, you know, going on adventures and exploring. Um, if you're able to swallow that $800 price tag, um, might be an interesting option for you. Um, but yeah. That was the event. Um, had some had some good points. Had some kind of low points, but you know, overall, I think it was it was pretty 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 decent. Uh, the visuals of the of this Apple event were obviously pretty pretty great. Um, all their virtual events that they've done that have been pre-recorded have always had amazing visuals and visuals and been very well put together. Um, so I I was I enjoyed watching it. Um, and I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of the Dark Assassins podcast. Uh, if you did, I'd ask that you leave a rating and review and subscribe to the Dark Assassins podcast if you haven't done so already. And be sure to share with a friend or family member who maybe didn't have a chance to uh, watch the event and wants a recap of what happened or hear my idiocy of not knowing how DHCP works, apparently, and conflicts of IP addresses. Uh, and if you have any questions about this episode or you want me to answer a question in a future episode or just get my opinion on something uh shoot me an email at contact at darkassassinsinc.com or you can click the link in the show notes below and that's going to do it for me in this episode of the dark assassins podcast until next time my fellow assassins remember bull nothing equals true if action not equal to null return true i'll see you next time on the dark assassins podcast (laughs) 